0: hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of old Everald and young james talk politics and oh. it's been um it's been not a very optimistic week um for people who follow dealings in parliament um it feels like at least in in some aspects we've gone all backwards in um treatment of women uh we've gone backwards in sort of women's safety um we know the government And the Greens and David Pocock and co and the Teals have been really pushing, um, you know, the respect at work inquiry and stuff like that. And then earlier in the week, Lydia Thorpe in Parliament got up and reported um, sexual harassment from a Liberal senator, um, David Vann. The media then, you know, Lydia Thorpe is a controversial figure, but there is no excuse for how the media behaved to her. They up upon her, they called her a liar, um, they called her a fraud. They really just jumped on her for raising a sexual assault complaint and viciously bullied her. Then former Liberal Senator Amanda Stoker got up, um, a white conservative woman as opposed to a Indigenous left-wing woman, and made the same allegations pretty much that David Van inappropriately touched her um, at Parliament and stuff. And suddenly the same media um, did a big 180 and said, oh, no, 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 we we, we believe them now. Um, wow, this guy sucks, this guy's horrible. Um, and it's just been a, not not a edifying week for Australian Parliament. I mean, Everald, you've talked before about um, the what the Brittany Higgins thing and the way the media has treated Brittany Higgins and the way the Liberal Party has treated Brittany Higgins would dissuade um, women from coming forward with sexual assault allegations. If anything, this week I think has proved you entirely right.
1: Well, well, there's a there's a couple of things here. Just advancing on the day of advancing, there's now a third woman who's come forward under the uh, MP under the. She had to be left anonymous because she doesn't want to be bandied around like the rest. So a third woman has made the accusation. So, uh, and, and the the other two, I understand, are, are, are both uh, the the third person is a Conservative, like Amanda Stoker, and as you say, the media did a big. Uh, uh, did, did, did a big backflip. Black now, there are a couple of things, I, I I want to praise Peter Dutton for at least immediately saying to Van, you stood down for the party room, and then when the third allegation came up, he actually asked him to resign. Now, he can't force him to resign. Maybe some committee of parliament can, but at least Dutton got to get a tick for saying, well, we can't have this bloke around. But what, what was bad, silly about it politically was, here was the... <coughs> Dutton's team getting after Senator Gallagher over whether she knew what was going on, which is really a sideshow compared to the actual physical complaint itself. Then all of a sudden, having raised that unnecessarily, they then find themselves with egg all over their face because one of their mob has been pinching bottom. And so the way in which the whole thing has degraded Parliament is... uh, Is not good. Now, in my lifetime, there there have always been people in Parliament who uh, uh, acted inappropriately towards women, if that's the way we put it these days. Twice there have been speakers of the House in my time. Famous names whom I whom I won't raise because their families are still around. I know them. But two speakers of the House were absolutely infamous but luring people into their office and saying, well, I run this parliament, if you want to get me where, uh, there's a nice price you can pay by sleeping with me. And that that's uh, come up there. And I've known, I met a woman MP once who told me that she only got endorsed for a seat because she agreed to sleep with the president of the party, and that's the only way she could get there. And when you look at all that, that's pretty crude stuff. Isn't it I mean, that, that that's happened all the way through Parliament. So the whole issue of the morals of Parliament before us, I mean, I sit and say to myself, when well, any young people uh, looking at Parliament say, well, this is the highest uh, debating place of the nation, this is where the nation run, what sort of an image is it that uh, women look at Parliament and say, well, if I go there uh, to serve Australia, I'm in for a hell of a rough time. Now, yeah, it's a very good thing.
0: It's just awful. I mean, this really is the sort of stuff that, and I can't speak for women, of course, but that I would think would make really smart and skilled and, you know, ambitious women think twice about going to Parliament. And the the sad reality is that this stuff happens to women everywhere. It happens to women in the private sector, um, in, you know, in my field, in law, um, in, accounting in finance in commerce um, in look you know just in universities um, it, it really just happens it, it's it's such a deep societal rot. Um, and it starts from the top right like if if even our Parliament house which is meant to be like a sacred place of governance, this stuff's happening, then of course it's going to be permeating through every institution in the country. Because that you know the culture of parliament reflects on the culture of the country, and if we're letting our politicians get away with this, and we should say, um, you raise a good point about how the Liberal Party have been um, getting up Katie Gallagher for apparently knowing that Brittany Higgins, well, that Brittany Higgins confided in her, and then Katie Gallagher didn't tell anyone. We talked last week about how of course Katie Gallagher wouldn't tell anyone because. The anonymity, you know, you don't out other people's sexual assault complaints on their behalf. That's a horrible thing to do. But we know that the Liberal Party knew of both Lydia Thorpe and Amanda Stoker's allegations against David Van. We know that they had to move David Vann's office away from Lydia Thorpe's office on in Parliament because she had made the credible allegations against him. Um, We know Amanda Stoker had went through the official channels to raise the complaints against him. Um, And what what do they always say, Avril? It's not the lie that gets you, it's the cover-up. This is something entirely self-inflicted, we know, because it was David Van himself who got up earlier in the week to try to drag a whole heap of mud over Katie Gallagher for this Brittany Higgins stuff, which is what prompted Lydia Thorpe to come forward. And Lydia Thorpe bravely coming forward, then prompted Amanda Stoker to come forward too. So the the hypocrisy and the flagrant disregard for women's safety in the name of political point scoring, um, and like you say, it's generational too. It, it goes back as old as Parliament's been around. I, I just, as a, as a young person, this stuff is so uninspiring to see. Um from Capitol Hill, and I imagine I'm not the only person who feels that way.
1: Well, look, it, it, there's a whole culture, and it's sort of the point you raised before about how when Lydia Thorpe got up, uh, uh, the the the, opposite, the Liberal Party denigrated her enormously, and, and the media denigrated enormously. Now, I've never actually had a conversation with them, but in my visits to Parliament, when you're walking around the corridors, you run into MPs here and there, and you say good day to them. And, and so I've said to as she's passed by a couple of times. She always wears, uh, you know, what you might call uh, uh, tight-fitting clothes. Uh, she uh, looks aggressive. She's But that doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is she's a human being, she's a person, and she's entitled to get around that, but no matter what she's wearing, that mm-hmm. uh, doesn't give anyone uh, the right to... And to denigrate her... Uh, you know, for that reason, she's not a very terribly lovable person from when I can find out in terms of that that, that you wanted to be your best mate. But the whole issue is she was elected to Parliament. She's entitled to be in Parliament. She's entitled to have a common decency about it. But the Parliament, you know, hasn't uh, treated women well since 1901. We're making a big issue rightly at the moment about how Indigenous people were not mentioned in the constitution in 1901. It's important to note that women were not allowed to vote in any of the constitutional conventions except a few women in South Australia uh, by some special legislation there. And and women weren't given the vote in Australia until 1903. So here it is. We founded the nation and had a constitution passed that didn't allow women to have a vote way back then. So the whole issue of women and their rights in the parliament uh, have been pushed around shall we say for 120 years and maybe this whole thing might start to say well let's, let's get serious about the dignity of all people who come to this parliament i don't know how the gay guys in parliament uh, uh get treated there's some of them uh well i do know there's one there's one i know that wasn't physically abused but Always had snide remarks made about him whenever he walked around, because he was known to be to be gay. And so, and uh, remember, you might remember there was a handicapped guy from West Australia got into Parliament, and he was denigrated this snide way because of his handicap. So we've got to, have to come to an end to all that, haven't
0: we? Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right about women. You know, no matter what you wear or what your reputation is, no one deserves to be sexually assaulted, and it's never okay. sexually harass or abuse or touch um anyone um no matter who they are and no matter where they've come from and that it's happening in our parliament and like you say it goes um it's it's you know so many diverse identities we we had pauline hansen making a mockery of the muslim community um by pulling a stunt where she wore the burqa in parliament as like a as a trick as an insult as a game um whereas you know for um say recent senator from WA Fatima Payman she wears the hijab um as part of religious observance um it's our our parliament is not a um it's not a safe place for diverse communities which is sad because we're seeing representation go up um but this is sort of this sort of thing puts a stopper on people from diverse communities wanting to um go because you know if if you are gay or handicapped or a woman and you know that you're going to have to put up with x amount more abuse sexual abuse physical abuse verbal abuse whatever compared to if you or i went to parliament um it's it's just not fair it's um it's a it's a national disgrace realistically and um you know it's the the attempts to both sides this from the um the opposition have been pretty pretty rancid i've thought because that you know, the call is coming from inside the house. The the rat in this story is in their own ranks. And I don't doubt that um, you know, the Labour Party has had their fair share of troubles with people who are bullies or um sexually um deviant or whatever um in in you know the Labour yeah, Party. Too. I, I, I've, but, met a, I've
1: met a, I've met a few of them in the yeah Labor Labour Party ranks in my lifetime. I can say at the moment that I don't know of any lefty women yeah. this day. Yeah, you know, but but I've done that. But the whole behaviour of Parliament uh, uh, comes to question. Uh, I I knew a school teacher the other day who was abused, a, a student in fact yelled out and and, and and very aggressive and yelled out provocatively about not not sexually about basically who's in charge of the classroom, the teacher or the kids, and and. Uh, and, and when the child was reprimanded and told to sit down and say, you just can't speak like that in the room, the kids said, they yell at one another like that in Parliament, so why can't I yell like that against you? Now, that's the sort of, why why at question time, does question time ever have to be abusive? Now, back when I was a boy, and people get sick of nostalgia going to the classroom, I knew it, but Menzies and, he's, and Chifley, who, who were the great proponents opponents of one another when I was uh, leaving high school and whatever, never spoke a bad word about one another, never yelled at one another, didn't ever abuse one another. In fact, they'd meet at the start of Parliament and say, to cut the abuse out of this, you tell me, and Chifley would say to Mendes and vice versa, because they swapped roles, you know, tell me what legislation you got coming up. And if I think the legislation is through, we, we, we'll, after having a bit of a debate, you can be assured we'll wave it through. But let, let me know the, the bits that are controversial and, and, and we'll agree that we're going to disagree on those, but we're never going to abuse one another about those things. And they used to meet all no. the time to make sure there's a dignity about the Parliament. It doesn't happen now, does it?
0: No. And I mean, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, we're dealing with issues that, affect people's lives right like you know the social housing bill being debated now um the greens demands well i shouldn't say demands because it's a negotiation but what the greens want provides for a lot more social housing than what the current bill provides so you know for for what the greens want that is x amount more lives change X amount of people who will be able to find social housing that otherwise wouldn't so we're dealing with really real stuff here right like you know the same-sex marriage when that was being debated through parliament, we were dealing with like the fundamental rights of our LGBTQIA plus community to marry who they want. Like this is super serious stuff and you can see why debate gets heated. Um, but I think the, the broader rot in parliament, you you see it stemming from, um, again, this, this week we saw, you know, David van trying to rake muck over, um, other people in parliament for the very same skeletons, which he had in his closet. So I think if you're going to lead with your chin and stick your neck out in parliament, and if you're going to take a big principled stand for something that you say that you believe in, uh, and if you're going to try to land some punches on the opposition, which if they're doing something reprehensible, um, you know, you should, you'd, you'd better make sure your closet's clean too, because you, um, don't want to be, you know, like the, the person getting up who's making a big song and dance about themselves and drawing a whole heap of attention to yourself while yourself um, having something to hide and it coming out like this. I think the most ironic part of it all is that I'm pretty sure someone dug up uh, Senator Van's LinkedIn, found out that before he um, worked as a in parliament, he, he came from nowhere, sort of the real no-name in the party and just somehow found himself pre-selected. Um, he worked in crisis management. And you would think someone who worked in crisis management and could not keep their hands to themselves would know that they shouldn't make a big deal about the other side of politics's treatment of sexual assault um, complaints. And yet, <laughs> here we are, right? Yeah, I know what it was. So
1: it hasn't been a... Real good week in Parliament. Uh, but, but look, let, let, let's switch just for a minute uh, to our, our, our old mate, uh, mate in inverted Thomas Donald Trump, who uh, Trump has appeared on our program, I want to say, more than any other person since you and I started. Donald Trump has started on our program. I just want to raise the matter of this week that, you know, he was arraigned for having classified documents that, threatened the security strewn all around his house in the bathroom and denying it and what well, and so now he's if, if he's convicted, well, he could he could wind up in jail for the remainder of his days under the existing laws. The judge does not have to think up what he could. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in this uh, but the phenomenal thing is that immediately afterwards he rose in the polls and his opponent DeSantis went down in the polls. And so because Donald Trump was arraigned, you know, down there in Florida, uh, he goes up in the polls and you've got to say to yourself, uh, what sort of a voting community is there in America where this happens? And then there were some commentators saying, well, Biden should have stopped uh, this charge being made because all he's done is given more fuel to Trump. Well... The whole issue is that a president, if, if the Attorney General in the government says a person has committed a crime and that's a, a legitimate crime, he can't have the president saying, oh, well, shut this up for political reasons. And no, no, no president worthy salt can do that. So Biden just had to let it happen because that's the justice. But it, it is extraordinary the hold that Trump holds over that election such as I've never seen
0: anyone here in Australia ever be able to do. So what do you make of it? Um, Well, the the first thing, or the second thing you say, because we can cover that off quicker, yeah, nobody is above the law, even if they're a former president. And if you commit crimes, you should absolutely face the consequences for them, regardless of who you are. Um, I suppose the thing to note with Trump's rising popularity is that's only a rising popularity in the Republican primaries to get the nomination. In general election polls since the indictment, his favorability has slipped and his ratings have slipped um, and Biden's have conversely gone up. Um, what this says is, I think the inference is pretty simple, um, Republicans are psychos, which we've said on this show plenty of times before. But also um, the other Republican candidates in the Republican race are scared to attack Trump over this because they're scared if they do so, they'll, they'll piss off the the rabid Trump base. And if they were to win the nomination, then the Trump base would stay home in the general election and not vote for them. So you've seen DeSantis, who is meant to be Trump's number one competitor, um, saying, oh, yeah, this is so unfair. Donald Trump is being persecuted by the Department of Injustice and the Biden crime family. And, like, if you're Ron DeSantis, you're not winning anyone over by saying that because people who love Trump and back him to the death love Trump, but you're not like you're going to lose people who sort of saw you before as the, maybe the, the different, the, the next, the, the break from Trump, because if, if you're, if you're competing against Trump and you tie your flag to the Trump ship, you cannot beat him at his own game. Um, so the, the Republican um, primary people, candidates, who refuse to attack Trump over this. And they, they're doing it because they have a delicate line to tread because the Republican voter base nowadays is like a bunch of used car salesmen who hate immigrants, hate gay people and love Donald Trump. Um, the, the, the other candidates are walking this fine line, uh, this cowardly line, where they in one breath are trying to beat Trump and in the other refuse to condemn him for what are clearly serious federal crimes which means he's, like, Trump's going to walk to the nomination at this point unless he gets arrested, uh, unless he gets found. He can still compete
1: in the primaries yes. if, if he's arrested. That's been, uh, I think, the Attorney-General actually said that himself. Somebody said, oh, you're just trying to get Trump out of the primaries. The Attorney-General said there's nothing in the Constitution to say that if a bloke's involved in a court case, he can't. On yep. The primary and went so far as to say that if that Trump could be elected president from jail and from jail he could pardon himself and come out and be in the White House. And apparently, there's nothing to stop us doing that in American law. You've got to say to yourself, Well, the Yanks better uh, alter the Constitution to make sure that can't happen, <laughs> isn't it?
0: Well, tr- aside from the practicality of if he's running a campaign from jail, he, he won't win. I can, I can say that for sure. Um, because again, uh, it's the, the, the real people who don't like this stuff and who all the polls show are really, aside from Democrats, are the independent voters who voted for Trump in 2016 because they really despised Hillary Clinton and then came to regret it and voted for Biden in 2020. The, all the results from polls and focus groups and that have these people saying, oh, yeah, Biden's a bit old and I'm not too crash hot on him, but. This Trump guy is just untenable, so I've got to vote for, for Biden. And that's cause for optimism, I guess.
1: Well, look, we better move on to good and bad guys now. I've actually got two uh, two good guys. Uh, to, well, first of all, it's not a guy. The Guardian newspaper, Guardian Australia, to whom I subscribe uh, financially, and, and I believe it's the best news service in Australia by... Uh, uh, you know, by, by a long shot, announced this week that they were rejecting all gambling ads. And, and so you can't now advertise in The Guardian. Now, they didn't have a hell of a lot of gambling ads. They tend to go to the mass media. But they said, no, so I, I increased my financial annual sum to the It doesn't cost you much, but I increased it. thought, well, if they're going to lose a bit of dough on this, all of us who are subscribers ought to put in another fifty bucks and help them along the way. But I found it refreshing that they and they publicly announced that that uh, that they were uh, banning gambling ads. That's got to be a good step forward,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I I think we've talked about it before. They really should just scrap gambling ads altogether on TV. Um, they've done it for smoking ads. Um, it's it. Gambling ruins lives and families, and it's an epidemic running through this country. We gamble the most per capita in Australia out of anyone anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. It's clear we have a big gambling problem. So yeah. good on yeah, the well,
1: game. Yeah, we well, got to get over that. But my, my second one, and this is more in your field, the Chief Justice Justice Kuyper, I to get the, the, uh, the pronunciation right. You can tell me I haven't got it right. She announced today that she's retired. She turns 70 early next year, but she's going to retire early for some personal reason. And I have been a great admirer of her. She's not a great personality. I, I met her at a function once, and she's not a personality that takes over the room. She's a very quiet person. But I admired her role as Chief Justice. She didn't have a political bone in her body to say that she voted left or right. Uh, she she was straight down the line and a great mind and, and I would regard her as one of the great chief justices of australia and I want to wish her well and how do you say? you're a young lawyer, you've got more to do with than me
0: i mean um it should bear their saying first female chief justice we ever had um, exactly. Chief Justice Kefa has been on the bench um for i think for since maybe the like early tens, she's been on the bench, um, yeah. or maybe even the uh late two thousands. She's been and there. She was on other courts before that. Yeah, know. yeah. She she was on the federal court and I think the Queensland Supreme Court before that. One of the two, um, or maybe both. But, but yeah, a, a Queenslander. So I'm sure um, you're a bit parochial over that. Um, but I mean, it's it, it's good when you have a chief justice who you can say isn't a big personality, right? We don't want to become America where our courts are super politicized and everyone knows who the judges are and whatnot. We want our courts to be as close to impartial and above the fray as we can. And I think um, like one of the big hallmark decisions from the Kiefel court was the decision in Love and Toms against the Commonwealth, which ruled that indigenous people can't be deported because they can't be classified as aliens under the constitution, um, which is really, really cool. Um, that's probably the biggest legacy the Keefle Court will leave. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be to Mark Dreyfus now to um, appoint a new judge, pick a new Chief Justice. Um, hopefully, we continue to see diversity on the on the bench and push for that. Um, and yeah. Well, oh, uh, well, who's your good guy of the week? Uh, well, my good guy of the week is the Australian cricket team. Uh, the old Everald and young James talk politics podcast officially endorses the twenty twenty three Ashes campaign. And wishes the boys all the best over in England. Uh, England batted well in their first innings of the first test overnight, declaring at 393 for eight on a pitch that looked as flat as the Prince's Highway. <coughs> um, Australia none for 14 at the close of play. David Warner and Usman Khawaja still out there hoping for a big game from my man Uzi. Um, but yeah, we wish the boys all the best against the uh, wretched colonial nation of generations past. Yeah, well,
1: it's interesting how, how uh, uh, the passion that gets into the ashes that doesn't get into any other series, uh, you know, that we play. Of course, uh, that all started uh, way back when I was a boy when uh, Don Bradman went to England and uh, and and scored, I think, in one series, two double centuries and, and there were a couple of others. And crowds came for miles to see Bradman batten, And the Englishman who got him out ever... Was a national hero, and you know, so all, all all this, you know, you know, you know, build up uh, from that. Now, come let's come to uh, we wish him well. Let's come to the bad guys. Um, I, I'm going to pick on the ABC this week. Uh, uh, you might have more inside information than uh, than, than me, James. But Andrew Proben has been the political editor of uh, news, ABC News for quite a while. I've only met him casually round the Parliament. But I always re- regarded him as a sensible commentator. And uh, I know that quite a number of members of Parliament are upset that he's going because they always felt that he gave, when, if he interviewed you, whether you were left or right, he, he gave you a balanced uh, uh, sort of a go. He was well, not sort of a go, he gave you a balanced go. So he was chopped out. It was not just him. The ABC's got rid of a lot of staff, apparently been told to cut their costs and cut their budget and whatever. But I felt that uh, in, in the time when Australia is not blessed with a lot of even-handed journalists, I was a bit sad that they got rid of Andrew Proben.
0: And, I mean, going beyond Andrew Proben, who I can't believe the national broadcaster will have no political editor anymore, Um, they're keeping Q&A, which people don't like anymore because they've realised Q&A is sort of... um. What's the? It's it's out of touch is the wrong word, but it's just it's a bit of a it's a bit of a show, you know. It's 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 a bit it's all pomp and no substance in Q and A anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they've cut like 150 jobs across others like the arts department of the ABC, politics, sports. You know they, they've all faced huge culls. and it's it's quite sad for um, journalism in Australia because, like you say, it's already at a stretching point. Quality journalists are few and far between. The Guardian's a great place to go for journalists, but beyond the the pages of The Guardian, um, it's becoming harder and harder to find quality journals and seeing 150 potential up-and-comers yeah, well, lose their jobs is, yeah, it's quite sad. The point,
1: the point arises that the, the comment was made by the ABC that in the digital age you can get news sources from all around the world from a. Thousand different news sources and you can do your news programs. What it means is that the ABC will be pinching news from uh, other other sources and it makes me wonder whether the ABC, because they don't have a political department anymore, if that's what you want to call it, automatically is going to run stories from the Australian and the Sydney Morning Herald and the Financial Review and what have you, or, or, or they'll pick it up from there and make it up, that they're going to be totally reliant on outside sources, who, in my view, are not terribly objective.
0: No, and I mean, I, I think you're entirely right, and um, I think the my, my bad guy of the week, and I know we talked about it before, was just going to be the media at large, because it, it bears repeating again, just how vicious and horrible they were to uh, to Lydia Thorpe when she came forward, and I mean, the when you know when outlets like the ABC falter or fall or shrink, it is those other outlets like news.com.au, um, like the Australian, uh, like the Fin Review, etc., um, which take up the space. Um and, you know, this week has been a horribly unedifying week for journalism in Australia, which is why the media were gonna broadly the media we're going to be my bad guys. But um it's just if you know we talked about what it's like to be a politician in Australia these days if you're a young up-and-coming woman and the effect that would have on you to dissuade you um, from the culture in parliament another thing that i imagine would dissuade a young up-and-coming woman from rising through the ranks of politics in australia is how even in 2023 we see horribly misogynistic attacks on women from so many major publications and it's just so disheartening that the abc who generally not always but generally stays out of that misogynistic mark will be sort of losing some steam. Well,
1: it is a sad time. Well, James, James we've had a, a good yarn for the week and it's, uh, it's been interesting times and uh, and uh, 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 we've got to see how this how this pans out uh, uh I think this current debate has got to be sorted out one way or another as to what is the role of women in the Australian Parliament. I think there's a bit of water go under the bridge. But it's been good to talk to you, though. By next week, I'm sure there'll be something to steam us up. We'll know whether or not Australia won the first cashless test by next weekend anyway. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can pick on the coach or someone if they don't. And you know, when <laughs> someone loses, you can all pick on the coach, can't you?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks right. for listening, everyone. Um Go the Aussies and have a great week. Up and out.
1: Right.